Lord, we do pour out our praise to you because you are worthy. You have created us. You have made us, formed us, called us, blessed us, commissioned us, loved us. And so we praise you. We want to love you. We want to obey you. We want to follow you. So, Lord, we ask that you would enable us to hear from you today, to hear from your word as we come to you. Speak to us, Lord, because we need to hear from you. In this day, in this hour, in this generation, in this place, we need to hear from you. Your word to us, to this time. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day. Good to see you all here, fathers and others, and prospective, hopeful, possible. Everybody who had a father, would you raise your hand? Okay, yeah. All right, good. Um, our special guest here, um, Loretta Nelson, would you stand up, if you don't mind? And um, good to have you here. And Mrs. Langmaid, I'm sorry, Lorraine Langmaid. I was, I was, I was like Loretta. Yeah, so Gordon and Lorraine were were my. These are pastors' wives from a long time ago. Daryl Nelson, I don't know if you you would remember Rich, but some of you remember. Long time in the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies, her, father, her husband was a pastor, and uh, Gordon and Lorraine were pastors to Janice in Sleepy Eye, so good to have you with us today. Um, but their husbands didn't come with them, and some of you are thinking about your fathers who didn't come with you today. You're thinking, um, oh, I got a Father's Day card out, and I thought, well, who or Jan had a Father's Day card ready. I was like, well, which? Oh, yeah, I only have one father. So I only have Jan's father to write a Father's Day card to. So my father's gone. And some of you are thinking about your fathers who are gone. On this day, you're, you're saying, I wish I could give them a call. I wish I could write them. I wish I could ask them, you know, I'm in this situation. I, what would Dad say about this situation? Now, as I'm pastoring, I, I every once in a while think, you know, what would Dad do in this situation. I wish I could call him up and ask him. Um, and we are coming to a place in, uh, in Scripture. We have been going through the books of Moses, and we're getting to the last book, Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is Moses' last words. This is, you know, they're all like, you know, you, we've been following you our whole lives. I know this is a, a whole generation has died off. So the ones who are still in this people of God were kids when they came out of Egypt or have been born since. And so for them, Moses has always been there. But Moses is going to die. He's about to die, and he's going to die just before they confront the enemies in the promised land. And their parents as you'll recall, wimped out and didn't go into the promised land because there were all these giants, and I don't know what their parents' kind of parents 
told them these stories about why they didn't go in. Maybe they justified themselves. Well, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of big, big giants in there. And, and uh, so these kids have now grown up. And they have never been in the promised land. They've been wandering around the desert. And they've never known a leader other than Moses. And Moses is about to die. Not only that, but they're about to enter into a new land and a new life that they've never seen, and they have, they didn't get to watch any documentaries, they don't even have GPS, they're just going to somehow cross that river and go in, and they know there's fortified cities and big people and all this kind of stuff, and they're thinking, what are we going to do when we get in there? Um, and so Moses gives them his last words. There's three sermons that Moses preaches. His last words, the things he wants them to remember. Don't forget these important things. And those are, are recorded for us, and then they're kind of stitched together by some editing and some narrative sections. That kind of, so, so this was where they were, and this was the, the speech, and this was the next thing. So it starts, Deuteronomy, and if you want to open your Bibles, there is one right in front of you. If you don't have one with you, um, it says, these are the words that Moses spoke to all the people of Israel while they were in the wilderness east of the Jordan River. They were camped in the Jordan Valley near Suf. And it says, so they were there ready to go in to this promised land that they had, they were on the border, or as Pastor Jim said the other day, on the threshold. Um, now, and it also gives the context, verse 2, it says, Normally it only takes 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by way of Mount Seir. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything Yahweh had commanded him to say. So this is what God told him to say. This took place after they defeated these kings. While the Israelites were in the land of Moses, east of the Jordan River, Moses carefully explained the Lord's instructions as follows. Here is Moses' last words. I think this is important to us because we are on a threshold. We are on a boundary about to enter into a new land and a new life. Last week we talked about the graduates from high school and college who are allowed to go into a new land. We talked about Ben and Hannah who are going to Mexico. They're about to cross the border and go into a new land, literally. Um, and that's a new land and a new place for us. And for some of the youth, that's kind of like losing their dad or their extra dad and their extra mom. Um, and so it's a place of transition. Um, and Pastor Jim, uh, a month ago, preached a sermon. He told me after, he said, you know, that felt like kind of a farewell sermon. He was going to announce that he was, you know, moving out of All Nations Family Church's eldership. He said, you know, the transition is done. I'm not going anywhere. He's still part of us. But it still felt like sort of a, an, a period on the transition period. Anyway, just in time for another transition period and a, and a new transition. So what do we need to know for this new time? And so Pastor Jim's word to us was, 
hold fast. What is the Lord inviting us to hold fast to in this season of our life together as Bethel? That was his question. And he gave us four things to hold on to. He said, hold fast, persevere so that you'll receive what you've promised. Because they were about to go into this land. They had been promised for all this time, but they had to persevere and do what God will. He said, hold fast to his covenant. This is Pastor Jim's sermon. And that's what this book of Deuteronomy is. It's actually a covenant document. So not only is it sermons, it's also framed in the way that a treaty or a covenant or a, a legal document would be framed between a king and his vassal king. This is the agreement we're writing up. usually starts with a historical prologue. What happened? What happened in the relationship between the big king and the, and the other king? And that's what we're going to start with here. This is framed as a covenant for a new generation. So the first generation had made a covenant when they were at Mount Sinai. And then they proceeded immediately to break it. And then to not go in. But he's making a new covenant with the new generation. And I want to ask you, why do it over again? Why would we have a whole nother book? So Deuteronomy literally means the second word or the second law. It's the second Torah. Moses repeated himself. Didn't he already have Leviticus and Deuteronomy? I mean, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Isn't that enough? Some of you are like, yeah, that's enough. I could, I could get through the Bible in a year if it wasn't for all these repetitions. Why did he say it again? More importantly, when you read it, you'll notice that there's differences. Why did he change it? If it was the Word of God, why did he change it? Well, he changed it because this is a new generation entering into a new land and a new situation. And the word of God for that time was the same word, but in a different way. Now, some of you might say, even about things around here, even about my preaching, why, why don't we hear the good old sermons we used to have? Oh, we had some good sermons in the past, and we used to talk about faith and justification and righteousness and all those things, and now all he's talking about is trust and justice and you notice that faith and trust are like the same thing? And I proved, proved from you from Scripture that justice and righteousness biblically are the same thing. So, but we need a new way of saying it to a new generation and a new situation. And justice rings differently for this generation than, it, than righteousness does. And faith means trust, but it sounds like a, just a religious word that we don't have to trust God for anything else, just faith stuff. So I hope you notice that I am doing like Moses and recontextualizing, trying to reframe and re-say what has always been true since Moses and before. And when Jesus comes along, he says it again. He gets up on a mountain and he says what God's word is again. Now, some of us, we've compared Moses on the mountain and Jesus on the mountain. But actually, the real comparison is Jesus was on the mountain talking to Moses. Is, is Jesus Yahweh? Yeah. So who was talking to Moses? Jesus, right? He explained what he wanted the people to do. And then when Yahweh came again, he sat down on the mountain and he explained himself over again. He said, 
You know, some of you have kind of confused what I said. You've heard, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I didn't say that. I said, love your neighbor and do good to those who hate you. And so Jesus said it again, like he'd said it to Moses before. And so when we're reading the books of Moses, we are reading the books We are reading the words of Jesus. We are reading the deeds of Jesus because Jesus is Yahweh. Right? Are you with me on that? So um, just for some of you who are like, well, why can't we hear about Jesus? We're hearing about Jesus. Um, What what does that name mean anyways? Anybody remember? Anybody know? It's Yeshua, which is Yahweh saves. Joshua, it's the same name. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. So Yahweh saves is Yahweh saving in Jesus, right? Um, So Pastor Jim told us to hold fast to the covenant. It's the same covenant. It's a renewed covenant. In John, John says... The word came to us through Moses. We have received grace after grace, blessing after blessing. We received the word mediated through Moses. And then we received the word embodied in Jesus. It was the same word, but now it was not just mediated through Moses, but embodied in flesh in Jesus. So it wasn't a new revelation, but it was a new revelation. Just like this is not a new covenant, but it's a new covenant. It's a new covenant with a new generation framed for what it's going to be like in the land. So originally the, the law was given for, you guys are wandering around the wilderness, this is what you need to do. Now it's specifically framed to when you get into that new land. So for us, Brenda mentioned that we're sad. We're grieving that Ben and Hannah are gone. They're not gone yet. We're okay for now. We're, we're grieving that they're going. We're excited and, and joyful that they're going into this new mission. Things are transitioning and continuing to transition. But God's covenant is the same, and it's going to be new in a new way. We're going to have to express it in a new way. We're going to have to live it in a new old way. We're going to have to say it in a new old way. Does that make sense? Following me? So he also said, um, Jim also said, we need to hold fast to our commitments. Now the word in the scripture was maintain justice, but it wasn't a C. So Pastor Jim couldn't say maintain justice. He had to say commitments. But in case you want to know what the commitment was, in uh, Isaiah 5, uh, the, the scripture that he was using, um, Isaiah 56, 1, it says, maintain justice, do what is right. So we need to maintain justice, live justice. He said, hold fast to the community. He said to hold fast to the people of God. He said, don't, Jim used the scripture, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. That's probably King James. But um, we can get in the habit of not getting together. Or we can get in the habit of getting together on a regular basis. But some forsake the habit of getting together. And let me just say, these days it's very popular to 
forsake or forget or just not get around to the habit of getting together as a church, in church, or um, outside of Sunday morning also. It's easy to forget that. And you know what? It doesn't really work very well. We've said it before, but there's no Lone Ranger Christians. There are no, like, I am, a, I am an Israelite, but I'm not part of them. I'm just kind of have my own, my own little church over here. You know, Moses, he's, he's pretty good, but we have a better. There was no other group. So we need to be committed to the community. And let me tell you something. This is a time when you're going to be tempted not to be committed to the community. Because some of you love Pastor Ben and Hannah, and when they're gone, you're going to go like, you know, I miss them, and I, it just doesn't feel the same. I, I love when, when they were here. And here's the funny thing. When strangers become friends and friends become family, we always say goodbye to family, and we say hello to strangers. So even if the number of people in our congregation stays the same, it feels like everybody's always leaving. You ever notice that? Because you're saying goodbye to family, and these, others, these strangers don't quite count the same as family who you said goodbye to. You know what I'm saying? And then if you say goodbye enough for those people, and then you start not being in the habit of showing up, you start saying, I feel disconnected. And we're like, yeah, we feel disconnected too. Where you been? It's not our fault you feel disconnected. Um, so you could, you, we can get in the habit of feeling disconnected. Um, from the body. So, and especially in the summertime, it's easy to say, man, it's a nice day today. Um, we, and it's okay, go on vacation without guilt, it's okay. We, we always, we always on vacation, we always went uh, to, to the church, wherever we went on vacation, my dad always tucked sermon notes in his Bible, just in case they might ask him to stand up and preach, and it happened. Um, so even on his vacation, he had to be prepared. Um, Hold fast to our calling. And, and Pastor Jim talked about our calling as a house of prayer for all nations. A calling to be a house of prayer with intimate spirituality. A call to be a house of inviting hospitality where we're welcoming strangers to become friends and family. And a house of intentional missionality. That where we are going to the nations, which is why we're saying we're fulfilling our call by sending people out. Okay. Um, so take courage, be strong, and hold fast to his promises so we can get there. I just wanted to repeat that because I thought it was good, what Pastor Jim said. And we want to hear what people are saying to us. Um, so we've had different people say goodbye, and I'm sure you can kind of think about your father's last words. One of my father's things I, th I thought about when I was, when I was uh, thinking about this was my dad used to say, any vision worth giving your life to is never going to be fulfilled in one lifetime or something like that. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. But Moses has this incredible vision, but it's not fulfilled in his lifetime. We're going to see what happens with that. And, it, and it's not going to be filled in, in one period of leadership. God has called us to a vision that is beyond any one of us. We've been 90 years here. There's nobody who started this church who's still here. Um, but God is continuing to lead us where he's going. So I want to give you a little bit of an of a, uh, intro to Deuteronomy, just so we get an overview from the Bible Project. 
And then we're going to look at the first four chapters. There we go. The Torah series is not complete here yet, though. Um, we're getting there, though. By this summer, we'll complete it, and we have some great things lined up for the fall, which I will not give you a sneak preview at the moment. Um, so here is the, the repeat, this call to listen and to love, and yet also this question of whether they are really going to follow through and whether they're really going to happen. So Moses, again, I said it starts usually a, with a historical prologue. Can we go on from there? Um, you might need to do it there. Um, <clears throat> so this historical prologue to the covenant is where Moses starts his first speech. He reviews the history and he says, remember, you, the new generation, you young people, you kids who are now growing up, need to remember what happened. And for us, we need to remember what happened. We need to remember what God said. We need to remember what God did. And in order to remember, we have to read about it, right? Or you can watch the movie or a documentary or whatever, but, you know, read about it's really... In fact, it says, read and listen and obey out of love. And then you will have life and blessing. That's what it's saying. But, of course, you have to, if you're going to remember and read it, you have to start back here, right? And not just start here and forget everything that's in this first section, right? So what do we need to remember? So he goes over this, if you, if you as we flip through Deuteronomy, he starts with, remember the blessings that you received. So remember that Moses, remember Abram who couldn't have a child and long, so long, and then for so many generations, there were just a few. Isaac had one, Isaac had two kids after a long time. And so just to fulfill the promise that you will be a great nation, Abram's like, what great nation? I don't even have a child. But Moses says in verse 9, At that time I told you, you are too great a burden for me to carry all by myself. Yahweh your God has increased your population, making you as numerous as the stars. Does that sound like a promise to Abraham? And may the Lord, Yahweh, the God of our, your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised. But you're such a heavy load to carry. How can I deal with all your problems and bickering? Choose some well-respected men from each tribe who are known for their wisdom and understanding, and I will appoint them as leaders. So he took wise and respected people and put them in charge. So one of the things I want you to notice is that as God blesses, remember that God has blessed us. Remember that as a congregation, God has blessed us. Each of you is a blessing. Each person who gets saved or who comes into the story is a blessing. And... It means we need some more leaders, some more wise and respected leaders. We're grateful for all the great leaders we have. But it also means we need to, so Ben and Hannah are leaving. And I've heard how many times this week, and I already knew it, they're irreplaceable. Right? Especially by one or two people. But we're going to need a lot of people to step up to take their places and go on, because God's also going to bless us even more. So we can't just say, oh, we used to have really good leaders. We need to say, so who are our leaders now? 
who are the wise and are you ready to step up into new leadership? If we're sending leaders out, if we're sending our top leaders out, well, that's an opportunity for all the rest of us. You can step up to some new servanthood, some new leadership, some new opportunities in our body. Um, and then Moses talks about the rebellion and the results, the, the lack of trust in Yahweh. He, he spends a lot of time on this. He says, you know, you were right on the border of going in. I told you he's placed you the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, has promised. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And you quit. You wimped out. You said, I won't. It's too tough. The enemies are too big. It's a great land. I love it. Nice job. But I can't do it. Uh-huh. We can't do it. Got it. The point was, God can do it. Is God with us, Joshua and Caleb said? And he said, don't be shocked or afraid of them. Yahweh your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. Do, do you remember Egypt? Egypt was a lot bigger fish to fry, and now we got these Canaanites. Yeah, they're tough. But do you remember what he did in Egypt? And you saw how Yahweh your God cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he's brought you to this place. So he says, God has been your father. He's carried you right to here. Now take his promise. And I want you to notice, we're going to talk about disappointment in a little bit, but I want you to notice this and tuck it away. God is your father. And as you're here today and you're reflecting on what you, maybe your father who's gone and your father who's here and how you're disappointed with your father, Remember that you have, to have a father who's carried you. And when you haven't been cared for, you can be kind of cautious. Is the world going to be okay? Am I going to be all right? You have a father who has cared for you, but they did not trust that father. The next verse. But even after all he did, you refused to trust Yahweh your God, who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, like the military scout guiding you with a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. So God's presence was with them, hidden by a cloud that shone through sometimes in fire, hidden by light inexpressible, as one hymn says. God was with them. I've, I've thought about that. I thought God was with them all these years, and God was with them, ready to go into the promised land he'd given them. How could they not notice or not figure that out in their calculation. Can we do this? Well, let's see how many of us are, how many of them. And What about God who's with us? And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, if the cloud was there every day and the fire by night over the tabernacle, they probably got used to it. You know, there's always that cloud there. Uh, yeah, God's present with us. I guess that's what that's supposed to mean. Do you think it's possible that we get used to it? That God does stuff for us? God gives us so many things, even 
daily bread and clothes to wear and, and relationships and family and friends. And we just kind of forget. It's there every day. I mean, God gives us food every day, so we kind of, oh, yeah, I got to eat today. Don't even notice it. That's part of why we sometimes thank God for food before we eat it, to remember that this is not just happened. God gave it to us. I think it's possible that God is with us and we get used to it and we don't even notice. In this congregation, God's been with us for 90 years and he's done some amazing things. And we can go, oh yeah, that happened. Oh, that was cool, I, I forgot about that. But we just, every Sunday, God seems to show up here. In fact, he hangs out. In fact, he goes out with us to our jobs. But we can forget that he's with us where we go. So they forgot. They rebelled, and the result was God said, okay, fine. I, you don't want my promise? You don't have to have my promise. And we talked about this before, but ouch. Wow. They missed the opportunity of a lifetime, and that was the end of their opportunity, that generation. God wasn't done with his problem, with his, with what he was doing, but they missed out. And let me tell you, we can miss out. As much as God has been with us for 90 years, we can miss out on the next generation. Or you could say, you know, Ben and Hannah are leaving. I don't know about hanging around here because, you know, I don't know. Maybe someplace else is better. And you could miss out on where we're going next, where God's taking us next. And there's some other churches around that have kind of forgotten that God was with them, or God, and they're just kind, of, they've just kind of dwindled and closed. We can forget. Let's be honest. In America, God's blessed us so much with so much. And we used to have churches full of people thanking God for that. And these days, we're kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, let me just enjoy the blessings that I got. It's a nice day. Let me use my boat and see how it's going. I mean, boats are fine, but it's not, we forget. Any, any of you have kids like that? Any of you fathers? Don't necessarily notice that you provided food for them or paid their school fees or gave them a ride someplace. I see some smiles out there. No, nobody wants to be like, amen, because their kids might. But there's definitely some smiles, some nods, some, yeah, my kids don't necessarily notice everything I do for them. Um, God is with us. God's also guided them. He guided them through the nations that they were. And it's interesting, um, a, a bit of a parenthesis here, but it's interesting that God talks about these other nations and how God put other nations to take care of. God helped some other nations conquer other nations before the Israelites even showed up. I, I just want you to know that God is in charge of the nations. God is in charge of who moves from one nation to another nation. And it's God's decision who gets to do that or doesn't. And it's best if we align with that the best we can. Um, and 
the uh, yeah, there's a couple of, of uh, reminders also in, in verse 1. It talks about giving, uh, hear the cases of the foreigners living among you and be perfectly fair in your decisions. I just want, I just want us to pray for Pastor Mike. Uh, about 16 of us were at his hearing, one of the hearings this week, and uh, they denied his asylum. Um, so there's an appeal on July 12th, but um, they heard his testimony about being beaten up twice a day for four days because of his work with Campus Crusade and encouraging young people to follow God and get their schooling instead of joining um, militias and so forth. But that they said, well, we don't know if he'd get beat up again if they sent him back, you know. We don't know if he'd really be killed. So um, I don't understand the ruling completely. But I was pleased that there was a polite judge who, who uh, um, was trying to follow the law um, as the law as the law read. And um, but we we know that God is actually the one in charge of who goes where and how they and how he how he sends people and how he receives people. And uh, so would we, could we just pray? Um, Lord, we want to pray for Pastor Mike, and we want to pray for his family. Pray for the all of his kids. I pray for the eight grandkids he hasn't ever seen, as he's waited for seven years for this asylum um, hearing. And I pray that you'd protect him and keep him safe. And I pray that you would be with him. And Lord, we know there's a cost to following you and to proclaiming your word. And we. Um, but we, we ask that you would protect him, keep him safe. We pray for all those in Congo who are struggling with the, with the challenges and difficulties there and the, and the threats to, to life. We pray for all those who are in limbo here and elsewhere in their um, be immigrating or moving or, or legal status. Lord, we pray that your law would prevail. And we pray that you would, we pray specifically to Pastor Mike's asylum hearing that it would be that you would allow him to stay, but we put it in your hands. You know where you want him and where you want to deploy him and how you want his family to, where you want his family to be as well. Pray that you keep them safe too. And I pray for others who are, who are nervous and, and wondering about what's going to happen. Um, may you intervene for them. Amen. Um, so, um, <clears throat> just I thought, I thought it was interesting how how God is the one who is deciding that this nation is going to take over that nation, and then he was also the one who said that these, these uh, people are, I'm going to give that land to the Israelites, and these people are wicked, I'm going to judge them for their wickedness, and of course if the Israelites mess up, I'm going to judge them too, but um, God puts that in charge, and then he, they talk about the victories. Moses talks about the victories over these these kings, these, I mean, these were big guys. Not only were the giants they met in Cades Bornea, but the, the leaders, the kings were so big. He talks about how big the bed was of this king. Um, and he says, God helped you destroy them completely, and he talks about those victories. Um, verse, chapter 3, verse 21, he, he brings the point home. He says, at that time I gave Joshua this charge. You've seen for yourself everything Yahweh your God has done to these two kings. Remember, Scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and, and forces of evil 
that we don't know about. We don't always see, right? So we have powers and principalities that we have seen victory over, but we also see challenges in, in ways that we don't always see what's behind things, right? But we, he says to them, he will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations, therefore Yahweh your God will fight for you. He doesn't say don't be afraid of the nations there because you're super strong. you got a lot of technology. You guys are organized. you got good weapons. No, no. He says because Yahweh will fight for you. Um, and <clears throat> I want you also to notice um, just before that, there's a commitment to unity. Um, chapter 3, verse 18. At that time, I gave this command to the tribes that would live east of the Jordan. So the, remember the tribes east of the Jordan? They said, you know what? We conquered these kings who decided to fight against us, and we like it here. Could we have this land as our promised land? And Moses was like, what? But the promised land's over there. And he says, okay, well, um, all right, you can have this land, but sounds like you guys don't want to fight anymore. Sounds like maybe you're wimping out, hey, this is good, this is safe, this is enough. So he says this, although the Lord your God has given you this land as your property, all your fighting men must cross the Jordan ahead of your Israelite relatives, armed and ready to assist them. Your wives, children, and numerous livestock, however, may stay behind in the towns I've given you. When Yahweh has given security to the rest of the Israelites, as he has to you, and when they occupy the land Yahweh your God is giving them across the Jordan River, then you may all return here to the land I've given you. Now, I want you to notice that there is a unity and a commitment to unity among this people of God. And because some of them have gotten what they needed, they've gotten security and peace, Moses says, don't just sit in that. You've got people who don't have that. You need to press in and fight for the people who don't have that. So, to be clear, we have a lot of privileges and opportunities as a church here in a church in America. We have a lot of wealth. We have seminaries full of books and educated professors. And there's people elsewhere who don't. So, be honest, there's demographic challenges on both sides. At Bethel University, where I went, they're, they're um, struggling with lower numbers, a lot like all private universities, because the demographics are we don't have that many kids growing up, and some of them aren't following God, so we don't have that many wanting to go to Christian schools. On the other hand, in Tanzania, there's 23 million under 18. And by 2050, it'll be double that. And the church is growing. So we have no way, so we have one classroom, not much of a library, and 550 students. So we have almost as many students as Bethel Seminary, but one classroom. So all these seminaries here, you, you might notice, Luther's sold 15 acres, and, and United um, sold their property and moved, and Bethel's kind of moved to Anderson. So anyways, we have a demographic challenge in America because we're getting less and less young people wanting to follow God, right? Demographic challenge in Africa is we have more and more young people who want to follow God. How are we going to help each other? We need those young people, don't we? And we need them to be following God clearly and literally. Also, for those of us who 
have gotten the security maybe of a U.S. passport. It's actually pretty nice to be in America, and even if you travel to have a U.S. passport, because you can get places and have security that isn't there otherwise. We can just sit in that and say, well, it's great, and forget that there's people who don't have that. We can forget that people in Congo are not secure. We can forget that in India and in China, the pressure is increasing on the church. So we need to fight the battle with them. Remember, it's powers and principalities that are our main challenge, right? And I, you know, I can't do anything about the Chinese government by writing a letter. But I can on my knees. Because God is in charge of the governments of the world. Isn't that true? I can't do anything about the Mexican government, the U.S. government, for that matter. I can't do that much. I can do some things, but praying is something I can fight for those who haven't entered into some of the privileges I have, and I want to enter into some of the privileges they have, some of the power that they know. I want them to fight for me because they know how to fight spiritually in some ways that I don't because they've been through some battles, and they've seen God conquer. So... Um, I want to talk about one more thing. Now, this is really interesting. So after Moses says this to Joshua and says, uh, you know, take charge, verse 23 of chapter 3, he says, At that time I pleaded with Yahweh and said, O sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me, your servant. Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do? So this is, a, this is a good prayer. He starts out with who God is. Declares who God is. Then he says, please let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. But Yahweh was angry with me because of you. And he would not listen to me. That's enough, he declared. Speak of it no more. But go up to Pisgah Peak and look over the land in every direction. Take a good look, but you may not cross the Jordan. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession. You know, this is a strange thing to me. Uh, Moses is going on. In fact, this is some scholars, you know, there's a debate about when, Mo when this was written, if this was really Moses' words, or if many thousand years later or something they kind of talked about well, the great stuff, Moses, and they kind of thought they'd just put it in Moses' words so it sounded better. Um, one of the, some of the scholars are like, but if they were writing this a thousand years later, they wouldn't put that bitter complaint in there from Moses if he was this great person. It sounds pretty authentic for him to be preaching the sermon and then say, but you know, you guys, messed up my life. That sounds like a real father, doesn't it? Um, Moses is a disappointed dad. He was like, I was going, we were going, we're going to get to the promised land. That was the promise, and you guys pimped out. Now, incidentally, I myself was the one who came and hit the rock and dishonored God, but if we'd gone in, that never would have happened. So he's, he's kind of brushing over his piece of the, of the, uh, of the story. Um, and he has the problem... Kind of a, he gets his, it's his sacrifice too because of what they didn't do. And what I want you to notice is he's disappointed. Any dads ever been disappointed with 
what happened in your life or what, how your kids have uh, done things? Anybody ever been disappointed? Maybe just the mothers are disappointed. I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot of dads that are disappointed. But he he's complaining. So what do we do with our disappointment? Well, go to God. Pray about it. Plead with him. Say, God, I want this. You promised me this. I want this. And then keep in mind that God sometimes says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait a while. This time God says, you know, stop praying about that. You've whined about that long enough. Not doing that. And that's disappointing. So it's good to pray. And then it's also good to do what God said, commission the next generation. I just said my dad says, a vision that's worth your life is not going to be completed in one lifetime. So commission the next generation. If you are a leader, it's not good enough to be a leader. You need to be commissioning the next generation. I love that the high schoolers are involved with the youth I mean, the youth are involved with the kids. And already the youth are pouring into the kids. I did that as, as a young person, and it was valuable. But we all have something we need to strengthen and encourage the next generation with. Um, and then, okay, let's be honest. A lot of us are also disappointed with our dads. I'm, I'm going to even guess that all of us are disappointed with our dads. Because none of our dads were able to be all that we needed or wanted them to be. My dad wasn't able to be all I needed or wanted him to be. Um, but that's when Moses says, what? You have a father. We have a father who will never, ever fail us. Jesus is my father who will never, ever fail me. Remember that song? Pastor Justin? Jesus is a father who will never, ever fail us. Is that true? And we need to go to him to get that love, get all of that that we never got quite enough of. And as fathers, we also need to go to God, and I'd say all fathers are somewhat disappointed with themselves, if not with their kids. Because <laughs> none of us were able to be as good a father as we wanted to be. We need to go to dad. We need to go to our father and say, would you deal with my kids? Would you deal with my failures even? Um, we need to look to God. So let me, let's turn the page. Um, or it's just right after that, Deuteronomy 4. And now Israel, listen carefully so this, kind of, this is kind of a change where Moses is now going to tell them to really be faithful to this covenant. And now Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live. You notice the title of the sermon is Last Words for a New Life. We're entering into a new land, but there's also a new life that God wants to give us. If we obey the instructions... 
Obey them so that you may live, so that you may enter and occupy the land that Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. God wants to give you all his promises, but it comes through obedience to his instructions. Do not add or subtract from these commands I'm giving you. Just obey the commands of Yahweh, your God, that I am giving you. And then he says, look, I now teach you these decrees and regulations just as Yahweh my God commanded me so that you may obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Obey them completely. And here's the mission piece of this. And you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. You want to look smart? You want to actually be smart? Have people notice? Obey the commands that Moses has given. When they hear all these decrees, they will explain how wise and prudent are the people of this great nation. Keep in mind, they didn't have these instructions. They were wandering without them. They said, for what great nation has a God as near to them as Yahweh our God is near to us whenever we call on him? And what great nation has decrees and regulations as righteous and just and fair as this body of instructions. I want to ask you that. Who has guidance as good as this? Who has the presence of God as near to them as we do? Now, people will say, yeah, I don't need that. You know, atheists can be good people, too. Well, sure. But do they have something to guide them like this, as good as this? And I'm willing to stack up the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita or any other uh, book you want to put out there. I'd say nobody else has Yahweh's words like we do to follow. And we don't even read them, much less obey them. A lot of the time. But it doesn't do you any good if you don't read it, if you don't listen, and you don't obey out of love. Then nobody's going to say, wow, how wise and intelligent and amazing. How did they get that family? How did they know how to raise their kids? How did they know how to do the stuff in the, you know, how did they manage their finances that way? How did God, how did they get blessed so much? How come there's so much love going on there? How come? People do notice. They notice when we're following and when we're not following. Right? Um, <clears throat> so, you remember we talked about Israel was supposed to be welcoming in. The nations were all supposed to be noticing how close God was to them and how they followed his wise instructions. And be saying, and honestly, it was a different Nation, their whole system was set up differently, where there was going to be no poor among them. There was going to be no king way up who was ruling heavily over everybody. There was, it's a whole different social system. And that was going to say, what's going on with them? It was supposed to be obvious as part of their mission, their ethics, they were elected, they were called to be a different kind of people who lived different. And that was going to make a difference in the mission that people saw. 
Romans 12 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? Well, here. That's how we're welcome in as a house of prayer for all nations. I believe that this word is God's word for everyone. Every nation. I believe that Yahweh is the only God there is. I believe that Jesus is the only mediator. Now that is not popular these days. I know that. And my answer is, show me what's better. Show me the way that you believe. Show me how, how you trust. Show me your pattern. Anybody can be a skeptic. Prove your skepticism if that's what you, if you're going to believe in skepticism. Prove how skepticism is true to me. Prove how it results in a great life. Prove how it creates a community that loves each other. Anybody can have a nice person here or there who follows their, but a community that really loves each other? That's amazing. Can we be that? Can we be that community where people will look at us and go, what is going on with them? They don't seem like what I thought. They don't seem like the stereotype and prejudice that I heard about those kind of people. It seems like something's going on with them. But then God also asked us to be sent out, not just to sit here and have people hopefully notice. We're supposed to go out among people and be living that way and be loving people and be loving each other so that people get upfront and personal and like, Oh, that's what's going on. We're supposed to be in their homes and them in our homes so they can see how we live. We're supposed to be sent out. Jesus said, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Does that sound like what Jesus said to Moses? It does, doesn't it? He told Moses to teach them to obey, right? And notice it's about obeying. doesn't matter if you're taught, if you know stuff. We want to see it. We want to see it in your relationships. So to go on in the scripture we were just reading, so watch out. Be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Don't forget what you've seen. And don't forget what they saw. That's why it was written down. Don't forget what happened. Don't forget what happened. Don't forget what God has done in the cross, in Jesus Christ. Don't forget any of it. Be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen in your own life, the times that God has showed up for you. Do not let those memories escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Do your kids and your grandchildren know the times that God showed up for you? Do they know when God showed up for the Israelites? Um, I'm gonna, Isaac's here, so I'll get to pick on him. Thanks for coming for Father's Day, Isaac. Isaac, 
Isaac mentioned when, when people were talking about different doubts they had about, about uh, you know, his friends are having intellectual discussions about stuff, and there's a lot of balance, and he, he loves to have a good intellectual discussion. But in the end, he said, how do I explain Grandpa Rasmussen without God? Your kids and your grandkids should be able to say that. How do I explain my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather if there's no Yahweh, if there's no Jesus, if he doesn't exist? Right? But if they can explain your life without reference to God, something's wrong. If they don't know that God ever did anything for you, something's wrong. Never forget the day when you stood before Yahweh your God at Mount Sinai or Golgotha where the crucifixion happened, where he told me. And, and then he says, I will personally instruct them and then they will learn to fear me as long as they live and they will teach their children to fear me also, which is what it says on the line you can't see. Sorry, I don't know how that happened. Um... They will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. So my challenge to you today, especially as fathers, but also as mothers, is to teach your children to fear God. Teach them what God's already done for you, what God did for Moses and the Israelites and Abraham and David and Jesus and Peter and Paul. Teach them. Now, they're already learning all kinds of stuff about what happened. They already know the history of a lot of things, a lot of video games. They probably already know the history of. But teach them this stuff because nothing else is going to hold them. And live it so that they see how it's obeyed so they can walk in your footsteps. Of course, you've got to be with them for them to notice that, Right? Be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. It's not just by words. It's by them watching your life. The truth is, when we look in Scripture, things go well for a lot of people. You know, David did pretty well. He did great until he got old. And then not so much. Solomon did great until he got old. Not so much. And Solomon didn't pass it on to the next generation. Joshua did great but the next generation missed out. I mean, Moses passed it on to Joshua. They did pretty well. But every time things seem to be going well, they don't pass it on to the next generation. And let's be honest, in America, we're not passing it on to the next generation. In the Western world, belief in God is declining. Why? I'd say we as fathers and grandfathers have to take some responsibility. Have we shown that there's only one God? There's only one thing to give your life for? There's only one instruction that will really take you through everything? Have we shown them that God is near to us and that there's a, a book of instruction that they can follow by the way we obey it? But let me come back to We have a great father. Can the worship team come up? 
We have a Father who will never, ever fail us. Jesus is my Father who will never, ever fail me. Jesus is my Father who will never, ever fail me. Rock of ages never, ever fails. Would you stand up? We have a good, good Father. He is never going to fail us. So I'm, I'm challenging you to pass it on, but I really want you to press in. The first thing you need to know is that God loves you. You have a father who will never fail you. You have a father who loves you. He loves you so much he showed you, guided you. He's given you victory. He's given you so much. Am I right? Has God given you anything? Yes, God has given us so much. He's given us salvation. He's given us the way of justice and righteousness. He's given us a people to belong to. He's given us a covenant chosen us and welcomed us into a covenant with God. Is that amazing? Yes. We're blessed with all of that, which is why we want to pass it on, right? It's not a requirement. It's a desire. And God is able, even in our disappointments, to do what we can't do. God can do far more than we could ask or think. I want us to pray, and I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to bless you. But Lord, we, we ask you to help us to see your love for us. Help us to remember your love. Help us to remember what you've shown us. Help us to remember the things we've experienced. Help us to notice the things we experience every day, the way we experience your presence. Help us to find your love, even in the disappointments we have with ourselves and with our fathers and mothers and others around us, that we can come to you and receive the love we need, the acceptance, the chosenness. Thank you for instructing us. Thank you that we have your words to guide us. Thank you for fathers, grandfathers, and spiritual fathers and grandfathers who showed us how to live and showed us where to look to your instructions. Lord, we are so grateful. And we are so grateful that however our fathers, our mothers, our grandfathers were, we have you as our father forever. And you are always with us. Thank you for your blessing to us. Thank you for blessing us with your word through Moses. Thank you for blessing us with your word embodied by coming in, in flesh as Jesus. Thank you that you're with us through your Holy Spirit, even today. Please help us to follow you, to love you, to listen and obey, because you have given us words of life that can give life to us, to our children and our grandchildren. We want your life. We want your love. Help us to receive it. 